Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is managing editor, Ross John Fortune. Hi, Ross. Hello. You have the chance to chat with Melvin Brown, Deputy Chief Information Officer at OPM. How'd it go? It went great. I think, you know, Melvin uh, is a really interesting guy, and OPM obviously has a lot of different applications and works with all the different agencies. So it's a really interesting way to look at any of the issues that, that obviously that we cover and that we talk about on GovCast and generally that, that come up in government when it comes to the uh, IT space and the office of CIO, obviously at OPM is a big part of that. So for those of us who don't know what OPM is or what it stands for <clears throat> me, um, what is OPM? Oh, so OPM is the Office of Personnel uh, Management. It is sort of loosely defined as a government's HR shop. They call it human capital, human resources, you know, same kind of thing. Um, the Office of CIO, you know, is, is fairly specific when it comes to that because every agency has its own Office of Technology, whether that's, you know, the CIO's office usually. So he has a, about a 200-person workforce or so that's specifically for OPM, but you know, the thing to remember is that OPM, because it is H, uh, the HR shop for the government, they have all this data, like tons and tons of data, whether that's federal employee viewpoint survey, like a lot of retirement, they, they process retirement, federal employees, all those things. So the Office of CIOs is fairly important within that context. Gotcha. What did you all talk about? What were some of the highlights from your conversation? Well, so, I'm, you know, I mentioned the retirement processing aspect of it. One of the things that um, sort of is connected with that or is related to that is the aging workforce in the IT space in government, because that is kind of a concern. And certainly it's a concern for him. He talked about how the OCIO has a fairly high average age. I think the last measurement had it at, at over 50 years old. So the office of the CIO at OPM really needs to get younger and so Brown's goal is to really do that, one of his goals. So he talked to us about trying to build a pipeline of talent to get people in earlier and to keep them around. So not just recruiting, but also retention. But that also includes the regular problems that people have with hiring, which is trying to get as big a pool to get the best candidates. Hybrid has helped with that, he talked about, because it does open up the hiring pool to anybody with network access. But he also talked about the Pathways program uh, at OCIO, which brings in interns, and some of them have gotten hired full-time at OPM. It's it's that kind of thing that seems fairly intuitive, but in my time in covering government, that has not been the case. So it's a priority for Brown, and I think it's, you know, as far as he sort of told us, it's born fruit. Those internship programs just seem like such a natural fit for growing just awareness and interest in all of these federal agencies. I mean, I know that in office like OPM, I didn't know what it stood for. I didn't know what it did. And I spent every week uh, <laughs> talking about the federal government. So along with just, you know, how difficult it can be to just get through the application process, I think also raising awareness of all the different opportunities available in the federal government, all the different agencies you can work for, all the different offices is really important just so that people know how they can 
fit into that system. It's really hard because the the hiring system is difficult. And I think that's one thing that people who've worked with it know. And OPM has some input into that. Obviously, the Office of CIO isn't really involved as much, but getting a foot in the door is a big deal. And the, the Pathways program is, is a really good way to start that. Yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit more about Melvin Brown. What led him to OPM? What were some prior experiences? Brown has a fairly interesting and long uh, career in government. You know, he's he started out the service. He's a veteran of the Marine Corps, but he's also worked uh, in a, a few different agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, Small Business Administration. He's been... Um, at uh, the office of the CIO for a few years now. And he's really done a lot of work in, you know, the technology space in the public sector. And it's it's sort of interesting that his perspective comes from all, all those years of, of working at those agencies. You know, he talked a lot about particularly managing the staff and how much how much feedback works with the staff and how how much that guides what he does. I think particularly when it comes to bringing forward technology and projects, he does rely a lot on getting these conversations going, which is a fairly interesting way to do things only in so much as it's probably very effective. He asks things like, how does it work? How does it solve the problem? And he used this analogy about building an empty house, essentially, that bringing forward technology that doesn't help much is like building a house that no one wants to live in. So his office's goal uh, is to build a house that people want to live in and thus make the community that people want to be a part of. Well, speaking of keeping the conversation going, let's not keep our listeners waiting any longer. Let's dive into your interview. Melvin Brown II is the Deputy Chief Information Officer at the Office of Personnel Management. In his role as CIO, he oversees an IT portfolio of more than $100 million in programs and a growing workforce of hundreds of employees. Prior to his work at OPM, he had positions at the Department of Homeland Security, the Federal Aviation Administration, and the Small Business Administration. Welcome to GovCast. Thanks, Ross. So the OPM fiscal 23 to 26 data strategy that was released earlier this year, it's fairly comprehensive, but what role do you see the CIO's office in it, and how are you sort of working with the data strategy? So that that's a great question. And so I, our Ted Kalk, our CDO, has been a great partner. And the the thing that we've decided to do is that you know treating it almost like a a plumber uh, and water company relationship, whereas the CIO is, you know, we're responsible for the pipes and the plumbing, and and Ted's responsible for the water, which is the the actual data. And that's that's kind of the relationship we forge is that we'll take care of the technology and all the underpinnings and Ted will take care of the data, the data side of making sure that the data and the data quality and that data is used in the in the right way. Well, to that end, OPM has relationships with every agency uh, in the federal government as well. So that interoperability is something that we talk a lot about here. How is OPM learning from other agencies as far as it crafts? all of its IT strategy and similarly its data strategies. From a data perspective, one of the things that, you know, the, the data strategy did do was highlight the wealth of data that OPM has 
and how sharing that data across the enterprise, specifically, you know, as the HR agency for the entire federal government, we've got HR data that once it's consolidated can bring extreme value to, to agencies just from our hiring, from our attrition, from our demographics, all of that enterprise level data helps agencies look at it from not just their own perspective, but from a government wide perspective so that we can come up with a consolidated HR and hiring strategy for the federal workforce. I mean, if you look at the, the latest demographics, it talks about our aging workforce and what does our early career talent look like from, a, from an enterprise perspective, which led the agencies to start looking at intern programs so that we can start to identify uh, or bring in more early career talent. That would not have been made possible had it not been for the ability to have visibility across the entire federal government on our workforce and that demographic. You set me up perfectly for a more OPM-specific question. OPM is the human capital agency for the federal government. I know I was doing some research for today that you've spoken publicly about some of the challenges that OPM is facing with regards to its uh, aging IT workforce. So how are you tackling that? And what do those challenges look like? The, the big, so we got a couple of challenges. I mean, we're trying to modernize with yesterday's skills. Um, no fault of anybody's own, but we're trying to modernize with legacy skills. So we've got to upskill the current workforce, but then we've got to bring down the the age gap of of early career talent to bring in new and fresh ideas. And so about a couple of years ago, we kicked off uh, within OPM our, our intern program. And so within the CIO shop, I brought on um, 18 new interns across the federal government, leveraging you know the hybrid and remote work capabilities that we have. And today it is it has led us to it has been very fruitful. Let me say it that way. We've been able to hire uh, 16 of those 18. Six of those 18, rather, have come on board to be federal employees full time. And we're continuing that pipeline. So the last year we brought on uh, another six to bring our total back up to the 18. And so we want to continue that as a culture that we continue to have interns coming in every summer and onboarding interns every summer so that we can continue to get access to early career talent for them to bring the skills necessary for us to evolve and deliver on tomorrow's workforce and tomorrow's problems today. I've talked about this with uh, other people in similar positions. How has remote work helped, hurt? How has that worked with the workforce acquisition and recruiting and training and those kinds of things? It's been a phenomenal tool for us from a recruitment perspective. It's given us access to not just talent in the D.C. area, but we've been able to access talent all across the United States. Of my 18 interns, I think only three are here in the D.C. area. I've got some in California. I've got some in the Midwest. I've got some in Texas. Uh, and so it's a plethora of diverse talent all across the U.S. that we've been able to get access to. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, it certainly widens the uh, the net by which you're fishing with to torture a metaphor. Um, let's step back a little and get back to some other sort of challenge conversations, which is outside of the workforce ones. What sort of challenges do you see in your role as deputy CIO? It's been almost a year now, I think. No, almost two years. Is that right? Almost yeah. two years. How, what have you learned uh, in the time about uh, the challenges that are coming up at you in the office of CIO? Um, I, I think that our biggest challenge is just uh, balancing all of the, the competing priorities with with trying to modernize and maintain legacy environments. Um, as we as we begin to modernize it and go forward, there's just there's so much to be modernized that you've got to you know make sure you got a, the right amount of capacity 
so that you can continue to deliver on your modernizations, plus uh, upskill your workforce, plus maintain business operations. And so, you know, just juggling that, those priorities is, has been somewhat of a challenge, but it's, it's not something that we haven't overcome. Um, we've done a great job at, at bringing more modern tools. And then just trying to measure in this hybrid work, work environment um, has been, you know, somewhat, somewhat of a challenge. Not that uh, people aren't being more productive. It's just learning a, new, learning a new way to work and starting to measure outcomes and outputs and not so much how many people do you have in the seat. And so learning that um, going forward has been started out to be a challenge, but we, we overcame that going forward. And now I'm happy to report that, you know, we've adopted this, this hybrid and remote work scenario and it's, it's, it's paying dividends for us, at least from an IT perspective. Um, the other challenges that we face is, 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 is going to be a continuous challenge, and that's in cybersecurity. Um, we've, you know, we're, we're changing our mindset to not believe that we've got cyber solutions, but we're working from a cyber countermeasure perspective um, because a solution sort of suggests that you've solved a problem, and the problem with cyber we don't believe will ever be solved. As long as we're in the cyberspace, there's always going to be a threat, and we need to continue to evolve to, to solve those threats. Well, building off that, how have you been ameliorating those threats and, and sort of putting up the ramparts against them? Because I know, you know, it is a constant thing. Well, the White House executive order on on cybersecurity kind of outlined the strategy for which agencies should be moving toward. And so, you know, we've adopted a zero trust architecture to go forward. So we, we submitted dollars as a TMF proposal to, to begin our zero trust acquisition or zero trust strategy building rather. And, you know, that's that's paid dividends to us. And now we're also you know, rolling out or finalizing all of our multi-factor authentication um, programs across all of our OPM enterprises. So that's that's also doing well too. So we've got, we're building, continuously building up our, our cyber posture and our cyber muscle uh, to make sure that we're securing the data that we need successfully. Yeah, it's definitely a constant thing. So I asked about challenges. What about successes? What have you seen in, in your couple of years now at OPM that you've found to be really successful in the office of CIO? I, I think the, the thing that we, we we've been able to staff up and ramp up with a solid team that's that's been a huge success. Uh, we've been able to, as I said before, bring in early career talent. That's that's been a huge success. Uh, we've been able to modernize and um, our productivity tools. That's been a huge success. Uh, we delivered on a, a major a portion of a major initiative in our postal uh, postal services health benefit program with uh, our launch of Carrier Connect. And we've got great partnerships with our retirement services colleagues. And, you know, as a result of those partnerships, you know, the backlog in retirement services has been down um, the lowest that it's been in the last six years. So kudos and credit to my colleagues over in retirement services. They're doing a phenomenal job. And we want to continue those partnerships uh, so we can continue to bring those things down and harden those successes going forward. I know in my previous life, the retirement uh, planning side of things and the retirement processing is always at the top of mind for the Office of Personnel Management. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to go over? Well, I think it's important that 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 people remember that, you know, change only happens when change happens and that although change may be slow, we can still move the needle, uh, even if just a little bit. And so I think um, we've got to focus on modernization from a what I would consider to be a four pillar perspective, people process technology and learning. And what often gets, you know, overlooked is the learning. And so what we've been focused on head over heels is managing the cultural change and adoption of our technology. We want to do technology adoption and not technology deployment. 
We want to do technology modernization with our customers and not to them. And so managing the culture of change is just as important as managing the technology. Um, we can all turn on new technology and new switches, but if people don't know how to use it, then we haven't really become modern. Our goal is to make sure that whatever we deploy, we build houses that people want to live in. And so that's, that's our mantra. That's the thing that we're focusing on the most is getting people to use our tools and services in a way that they probably wouldn't before because we did IT with them and not to them. I love that the house metaphor, the, the house that people want to live in, because certainly that is uh, something we can all sort of understand and, and I think really uh, fits. Thanks so much for being on the show with us. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. That was a really fascinating interview with Melvin Brown. Before we let our listeners go, do you have any last highlights or takeaways that you want to leave them with? Just that I, I think OPM has the same kind of issues that everyone else has. You know, Melvin Brown talked to us about modernizing and maintaining uh, legacy environments sort of at the same time. That's something that every person in every CIO's office right now is dealing with. You know, the speed of technology is so, so fast that trying to to balance those two things is deeply important. And, and OPM is certainly within that um, framework. Thank you, Ross. Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new GovCast. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross John Fortuna. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.